Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast with Andy Turner and Garrett Fools, checking up on Texas policies and politics with some federal issues thrown in, like the assault weapons ban, interest rate hikes, you get it, but it's mostly Texas, since we can't ignore the big stuff either. And now, here are your hosts, Andy Turner and Garrett Fools. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to this week's very special edition of Seeing Red. Happy Thanksgiving to one and all. We want to hear from you. We always love getting mail um, and comments on Facebook.com slash the Seeing Red Pod, uh, YouTube.com slash Seeing Red Pod. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. We're pretty active on Twitter um, at, at the Seeing Red Pod. Um, want to thank my co-host uh, Garrett for doing the editing every week. God bless your soul. And Zipmeister for getting out the social media. Also, if you guys want to just email us, just go to your email, open up a new email, and hosts, H-O-S-T-S, at seeingredpodcast.com. Hosts at seeingredpodcast.com. And tell us what you want to hear. Tell us where you disagree. Tell us where you agree. And on that note... um, since it is Thanksgiving week, Garrett, I know that uh, you have, well, two things to be extra thankful for this year. Um, your lovely wife and that adorable baby. So who is, who is doing well? Who is doing well? I'm getting pictures, guys. And, and, and I keep telling Garrett, send more pictures because I'm, I'm enjoying watching his, his progress and, 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 and and listening to what's what's going on and stuff like that. But uh, what else is on your list? Anything else? Those are the big ones. I mean, when yeah. you, when you uh, have your first kid and get married all in the same year, like it's that pretty much fills up all of it. Um, number three, probably the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I am very thankful for the team I cheered for growing up. I mean, literally, it was the team I saved my allowance for for two and a half years so I could watch local broadcast games when I was a kid. So um, it was good to finally get that first World Series um, as a fan. So that's, I'm appreciative for that. You already took a, you already took a, the wind out of my sails with, <clears throat> you know, very thankful for my wife um, and her putting up with me. And loving me, um, and for my son, and for my son's continued improving health. So, looking forward to uh, very thankful for twenty twenty three, and looking forward to a I'm not sure how it's gonna how twenty twenty four could top twenty twenty three, but maybe it can. Absolutely. What about Absolutely. you? Uh, my kids are all doing well, so I'm very very happy about that. And um, uh, uh. My, I just, I literally just got off the phone with my daughter who's, who's still in college in another state, uh, try as I might. So she's, she seems to be doing well and we are having, as, as any parent of a teen to 23 year old will tell you, these are difficult, they can be difficult years, but she seems to be pulling it together and, um, she's, she's making me proud, man. And my, my, both, both of my boys are, um, Loving their jobs, and uh, um, as a matter of fact, we'll see one of the kids for Christmas. Um, of course, they're all welcome, but you know, it's not it's not cheap or easy to to, to fly fly down here. So, um, of course, I'm thankful for my husband who puts up with me and encourages me and gives me advice, and he's just 
I'm lucky. He's my best friend, and I'm in love with him. It's just it's just a very cool thing. And we, on December 5th, will be celebrating our third an- wedding anniversary. So, you know, uh, we won't be taping. Whatever day that is, we won't be taping. <laughs> um, but... Um, I, I am very thankful to be a tech, to be to be welcomed in Texas the way I am, and we we've been here for four years, so you know we're we're pretty well settled in and understand the culture, and and you know we love it. And Peter lived here before, and I've lived in the country most of my life, so I'm just happy to be. So a lot of a uh, lot to be thankful for. Um, what some people are in this state are thankful for, but others are very much not, um, <laughs> was the fate of education savings accounts in the Texas House this past week. Um, like we mentioned in the last week's episode, they had an HB1 set to go, which was the education, quote-unquote, omnibus, which was where they threw all the education reforms into one big bill. And that was set, that past committee was the first time in the history of the state, apparently, that, like, education savings accounts were on the floor of the House. Yeah. And it got there, it passed the committee 10 to 4, and then it got into the, the House, and there were dozens of amendments. And one of the amendments was one that was going to rip all the education savings account language out of the bill. And that that passed with the support of 21 Republicans, most of which are rural and or retiring. And then there were a couple suburban voter, uh, suburban folks who were against it for other reasons or for whatever reason, but were against school choice. So it failed pretty spectacularly. And then it's technically been sent back to committee, but, um, they, there was a quote out there where someone said is uh, whenever the bill kind of dies like that on the floor without getting to the actual vote, you have to do something with it. And uh-huh. they decided just to send it back to the committee, but it's not going to nothing's going to happen there. There's still SB one, which is being carried by Senator Creighton. Uh, the Senate's been on um, holiday break for a little bit already, and they won't be coming back till next Monday. So we'll see if they're able to pass it themselves and send it back over to the house. But I mean, the governor and Andy, you can, you can, you should chime in here right now. It seems to me like the governor has been pushing this really hard, Like back on the campaign, he was pushing it. It was one of his major issues was school choice. He's been saying he'll bring, keep bringing them back, bringing them back. But at a certain point, we have to go have another election. If the people are just saying, no, we're not going to do it. You know, the House of Representatives is saying, you can keep calling us back if you want, but we're not going to pass it. Then, you know, you don't have the votes. So what's the it's kind of. I, You know, I obviously you and I are very active on Twitter and a uh, friend, friend of the show who's been on the show, Jared Patterson, um, Representative Patterson did a piece. Um, apparently, a representative. um John Rainey out of College Station, a Republican out of College Station, introduced an amendment that basically sought to kill the bill. Um, and Jared Patterson, who's um, he is, you can find him at Twitter at, at Jared L. Patterson. He's got a video up 
where, yes, they were debated on the floor for the first time, and this amendment sought to kill the bill. And I, I can tell you, Representative Patterson asked questions that I hadn't even thought of. And as, you know, I mean, you guys all know, everybody listening to this show, unless you're listening for the first time, know that I'm a former teacher, know that I am all about the kids, you know, foster care and adoption. And these were questions like, you know, and, and Representative Rainey just like, was like, towards the end of the video, he just was like, he was just done. He was just, uh, he wasn't going to answer the questions. He didn't, he had no interest. And I'm a little surprised at the rural Republicans because I don't, and I will be honest with this, I do not understand their point of view on this. I know that we had a guest on the show um, several episodes back now um, who said, you know, in rural areas where you have only one, like only one high school, um, you know, if kids aren't going to that school, then they're going to get less funding. Well, yeah, but the economy of that is if you have, let's say you have 400 kids in the high school, let's say it's a small high school, 400 kids in the high school and 50 of them go to another school, you don't need the money that you needed for 400 kids. And so you only didn't, you only need enough money to educate 350 kids. I don't understand, and 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 if anybody's got any insight into this, because I have been trying to keep up with everything, and this one thing, this thing I have missed out on, I I don't understand why they don't, why they're not on board with school choice. But Garrett, I wanted to ask you, which bill was it? Was it HB one that put the money into, um, put more money into? poor more poor areas i don't remember i don't remember I like four of, these, i don't remember if it was, was it the house version i don't remember i don't i don't I mean, remember if it was the house. that's the thing there's been so there's been so many of these different proposals and different bills and different amendments over the past few months and different sessions and obviously the bill numbering restarts with each one so i don't know i don't know sure if, if it was hb1 I or which hb1 it was Right. And there was, there was, I don't, so you think it was a house bill though, not a Senate bill, um, where they put the money into poor areas. I think it could be a Senate bill. I mean, the, the, for the most part, what they've been doing is they've been trying to make it as, um, universal as possible. And then there've been some proposals where they've been like, okay, well, let's just get it started. Or it's just for folks that have been like, um, in a, who, who are zoned to, or have been in a underperforming school for the past, however many years, and then those people can be be eligible for it. But here's the deal. The public education system is broken in a large portion of our state. There are large swaths of our state where the public education has broken down. And And we need alternatives for students in those areas. There's large portions of the state, geographically speaking at the very least, where public education is working well and the community likes how the education is being provided. I do not necessarily think a one-size-fits-all approach is the best one, but we need to fix the schools in the larger communities. It's serving a lot more students than those smaller communities. And I'm overall for HB1 as it, as I originally sat, or before all the ESAs got sh- stricken. I think I'm for SB1 if it's the bill I think it is. Generally speaking, um, 
do I think we need to get this across the finish line and then we need to start tinkering with it or we need to tinker with it and then get it across the finish line. But regardless, we're not going to know how this, we were not going to know how these bills are going to go until the rubber hits the road a little bit. And then we're going to have to keep modifying it and making, making it work. I think that if you, and and you really do need to go see Jared Patterson's um, uh, um, video on his questions for representative Rainey on this, you know, it, there are legitimate reasons that you would not want your child to go to the public school. And I would urge you and all of our listeners to go to Jared Patterson's. Um, it's on his Twitter. It's on, it's on YouTube, but I have, I don't have the address for it, but it's on his Twitter and go listen to his questions. And it's like, God, I never thought about those, those kinds of situations. Right. So, when you when you hear these situations and i won't go i won't get into them here because i don't know who's listening in the when people play our podcast i don't know who's listening in the background um but when you hear about these situations and they happen to people these situations occur in families that can't otherwise afford to go to um a non public school that's a problem it's a problem. I, I would really urge you to take a look at that. But we talked enough about this. Um, well, there is a Paxton update. Um, it looks like um, he. So the whistleblower lawsuit, uh, the Supreme Court had, I think we mentioned this on the podcast, had opened up the, the settlement um, or had passed aside the settlement as not being fulfilled because the legislature hadn't funded it. Um, so it opened up, so it allowed that the uh, civil lawsuit that the whistleblowers had brought could go on. The Office of the Attorney General had filed a, when that court case originally happened in Travis County. In Burnett County, the Attorney General's office filed, I guess they were trying to venue shop, which is when you try to find a friendly judge. Um, and they filed a motion there and got a one-week temporary injunction to uh, hold off on that case in Travis County um, because they were saying that, oh, though there is a settlement. We've tried to get it done, but, you know, we're still waiting on the legislature. Um, and that they venue shopped at the Burnett County, but that judge said, no, this is the settlement's dead because the legislature is not going to take it up and y'all can proceed to go to go on so i'm not really sure what the next step is on that um the rumor is that 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 all that happened because the office of the attorney general was trying to avoid subpoenas for deposition going out to to folks so i still think we're probably a long ways or not necessarily a long ways but a lot more there's probably some more legal hurdles and questions that all need to be answered before that those depositions are taken in that lawsuit with the, for the whistleblowers moves moves ahead it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens and then the sec um i think it was sec the, but the the other court case uh that is it texas it's a state defense? securities yeah it's state so that texas is brought against well well yes but the, there's the state the, the next trial that's on the docket is the state securities charge and I believe so I knew that that was supposed to start in February and I believe I read this week and uh, you know y'all check me I you know I'm I'm ha happy to be told when I'm wrong but I believe they've moved that case now to April which 
I find is very interesting because the primary is in March. So, well, the case has been out there for like eight years or something now. So it's just keeps getting moved all the time. Um, And then there's also Nate Paul. There was uh, another what they call a superseding indictment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They added more charges. I don't remember what they were because it happened a couple weeks ago. But there are now more federal charges against Nate Paul, who was at the center of the impeachment trial. Uh, His relationship with Ken Paxson was at the center of the uh, impeachment trial. So there's always rumor and conjecture about there being possible consequences from that for Paxson. But we've yet to see anything. And federal stuff doesn't usually come out until it does. Yeah, so eight felony counts um, that, um, let's see, initial eight counts. Paul is charged with one count of um, conspiracy to commit wire fraud and three counts of wire fraud. And then the latest one is, um, but yeah, so penalties for the new charges range up to 20 years in prison and 255, 250, I'm sorry, $50,000 in fines per count. Um, And of course, he pled not guilty to the initial eight. And uh, prosecutors are alleging that Paul lied to lenders to obtain a million, well, literally $172 million in loans, according to the indictment. So his uh, trial on the initial charges was scheduled for for July of next summer, but uh, we we don't know if the new, the four, I'm sorry, it's four new charges uh, will, will affect that date. So, and thank you KXAN for the quick update there. Um, So yeah, he's got, all kinds of problems too. Yep. Um, so that's kind of the Paxton update. I will say also on, on Ken Paxton, um, the lead, the chairman of the, uh, house investigating committee, Andrew Murr, um, Murstache, um, has announced yeah. that he's not running for reelection. Oh, I hate to hear that, but I mean, it's, you know, when you've got civil war going on, I mean, this ain't my first rodeo with with GOP with GOP uh, uh, civil wars. It's it's tough. So I don't blame him for wanting to go and you know enjoy his life and you know. But I hope they get somebody good out of his district. He has several kids, um, ages between fifteen years and fifteen months. Uh, one of the lines, I'll read one of the the paragraphs from his statement. After, and he spent 10 years in the legislature, so oh. um, he's been there a while. He's the grandson of a former um, Speaker of the House and Governor Coke Stevenson. Yeah. Um, as a, some of you may know, so this is a quote from his uh, announcement press release. As some of you may know, over the course of the past year, I've also had the unenviable responsibility of leading the General Investigating Committee in the Texas House. When our state attorney general asked the taxpayers to pay $3.3 million bill to settle a lawsuit with several of his former employees, I had a duty to follow the evidence and seek the truth wherever it may lead. Our investigation revealed a level of moral compromise that resulted in the attorney general's impeachment. Throughout the ensuing Senate trial, no one, not the attorney general himself, not his high-priced team of trial lawyers, argued his innocence, but that the evidence for impeachment did not rise to the level of removal from office. I, for one, would never accept that low standard. I believe we owe it to ourselves, our institutions, self-government, and the inheritance we leave our children to hold our elected leaders to a higher standard of conduct, no matter the political consequences, 
As our investigation concluded and the right course of action became clear, I prepared myself to endure the political attacks, threats of political retribution and physical harm, and intimidation that came with holding a powerful person to account for his conduct. I want to be very clear that the threats had no bearing on my decision to retire from the Texas House, and I had every confidence that I could continue to represent our district with the same level of integrity and accomplishment you deserve to have, deserve and have come to expect. I take my oath of office seriously, as any public servant should, and I'm not willing to compromise my moral and ethical responsibilities for political ease. If I were to do that, I would no longer be worthy of your vote, let alone your trust. By the end of my term, I will spend a decade of my life diligently and thoughtfully representing every person in my district, including those who cannot vote or do not vote for me, and I humbly thank all of you for allowing me to serve. Well, he'll be missed. He was was a good guy. I mean, Paxson's opponents will take that as a win. uh, Or sorry, Paxson's supporters and DTL will take that as a win. um, He's not running. Who knows? He might have a political future. And... We'll see how that stuff goes. It'll be make that race a lot more interesting over the next few months um, as that comes along. Yeah, and speaking of speaking of races, I saw uh, uh, today actually that there was a uh, uh, that the first post primary general election presidential debate is going to be held in San Marcos at Texas. Yeah, Texas State. Yeah, thank you. At Texas State. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, it it will be interesting to see if the former president decides to debate. Um, It will be interesting. Uh, I I, I don't. I have no doubt that the former president will win the primary. We have some very excellent candidates. running in the primary, who I think would make wonderful presidents. Nikki Haley, I really like Nikki Haley. I'm sorry that that Tim Scott dropped out. I thought he was pretty I thought he was pretty good. Um uh and Chris Christie, he's a fighter man. He's he's a fighter. You may not he you know, he's from New Jersey, so he's not very Texan and I get it, but he's he's a scrappy dude. And, um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, there, there's some, there's some talent out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it comes down to who do you like? So, um, but I, if you don't know anything about Nikki Haley and you're listening to this and go, well, I know her name, pick up her book. It's a fast read. And it was interesting to me how she diplomatically stood up to President Trump and how she did a great job as ambassador to, to the United Nations. I mean, she really knows her stuff, and she pick up her book. It's worth the read. Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, I think any Republican operative, so someone who works to get Republicans elective, you know, in their profession, basically has to, unless they are directly paid by a campaign, they have to. We at least have to prepare for Trump being the nominee um, for all of our clients, you know, just have to take that into consideration as we're, as we're building out campaign plans and everything else. Um, He'll be a definite benefit in some districts and he'll be a drag in others and varying States and this, that, and the other. Um, But every election is 
Every election's different, so it's just the reality of it. Well, and anything can happen, and usually does. Exactly. So, I mean, I I don't think either. I don't think any candidates looking for any either of our, any in our any of our endorsements. <laughs> but they should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I I'm preparing as if Trump's going to be the nominee. Um, yeah. Yeah, and watching the the race to see if anything changes over the next few months. I mean, we don't have to vote for it until early March, so a lot can happen between now and then. I just don't expect it to uh, largely change what's going to happen uh, come the convention when we'll be nominating Trump. It, I mean, that's the way it looks. So it was interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody who, well, let's just say is an expert in such things, and I asked the question. I said, you know, should the former president go to jail for any of the things that he's been accused of? Should that happen? What happens with his Secret Service protection? Apparently, it goes away. So, and I was, I, I, it's an interesting question because he's entitled to protection, but don't get yourself put in jail. So I, I just thought little little tidbit of trivia there. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, whether or not he actually goes to prison, I don't know. But uh, I, you know, if he's convicted before before next November of anything, and I'm not saying that we're even going to have a result before then, but I, I don't think it's a good look to have a president who's been convicted in a court of law. Um, but. We'll see what happens. It's also not good to have a president that's committed crimes. So I'd rather that be there be the court of law for him to say, hey, he didn't actually do it that way. Yeah, hey, yeah. There's not enough evidence Absolutely. of it. Yeah. It's it's not a good look, but also I don't think it's something where just because it's a bad look doesn't mean we sh- it shouldn't happen. But also, I'm not an attorney. I've looked at it. I've seen so – I mean, there's been so much commentary on whether or not I can't did even. it. And then there's also like arguments like like Ben Shapiro makes where it's like he may have done it, but they've never charged Hillary Clinton or anyone else for these same crimes, and that was something else. So like, who the hell knows? Yeah, I agree. I don't I even agree. understand absolutely what's going on in Georgia, but everyone seems to be playing out. So maybe there's something there. I don't know. All right, guys. Listen, um, we want to wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving. Remember, do not put your frozen chicken into the deep fat fryer or you will not have a house. (laughs) Um, uh, But uh, we hope that you have a marvelous Thanksgiving and, you know, and 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 long weekend. And uh, and God bless you all for because we both both Garrett and I count all of you guys as um, on our on our list of blessings because you tune in every week and you know we hear from you and we value you we value you and 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 thank you very much so um uh garrett take us out all right guys we'll see you next week thank you for joining bye guys bye guys you've been listening to the cn red podcast It's always Texas politics and beyond. We present the facts and opinions. The Seeing Red Podcast with your hosts, Andy Turner and Garrett Fools. Thank you and tune in next week. And please do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode.